Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and today, as you can see, I'm not with Pastor Nick. I am, definitely not. I'm, dare I say, with a different pastor today. I am with Hanok Young, our, oh my uh, goodness. our esteemed and infamous tour guide uh, from the land of Israel, from the city of Modi'in. Praise God. Welcome. Thank you for being here, Hanok. Thanks so much, Ryan. It's a pleasure. It's great to be back here at Beit Tehillah. Yet again, the Beit Tehillah side of the family. Uh, enjoy each and every time here. Uh, I am a little surprised that um, your governor, Ron DeSantis, we've heard about him in Israel. Yeah, yeah. Has not outlawed humidity during the summer. Oh, yeah. Which I think is like, you know, I mean, not that like 98, 99 Fahrenheit uh, with 75 to 80% humidity is bad. Oh, and that's, by the way, that's at sunrise. Right. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's a little bit of a challenge. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. I, I, I feel that challenge. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. This has actually been a, uh, one of the hotter years. There's no doubt about that. So you came and got to experience, I mean, literally July, you know, in Florida. So yeah. it's, it, it is what it is. Show enough. <laughs> All right, so you're here. You're kind of going on a, a little speaking tour. Yes. And you've got a, a good little thing. I, I think we should go through what you've been, been speaking about and sure. give it to the folks. My pleasure. Um, titled, what, what, What's in a Name? What's in a Name? What's and the kind of the subtitle of that is, is that what it means? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, what's interesting is as, and it's been 10 years since I've been coming back to the States speaking, each time I've, I'm kind of inspired with a particular topic, um, and it's more, or in addition, it's, it's a sense of what it is that I think as an Israeli that people need to hear. Now, being a licensed Israeli tour guide, I'm constantly educating people about Israel, one format or another. And last time I was in, which was in January, um, I did a series of, uh, we, we utilized 22 different maps from historical periods explaining how Israel of today came to be from biblical times. Um, and this is kind of a follow-up, not using nearly as many maps, but instead focusing on terminology that we hear all the time about Israel. Oh yeah, I'll tell you what. So. Uh, we, being in the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, one of the problems that we suffer with is a, a problem of bad definitions. Meaning, I say a word, and it means one thing to right. me, and it, a perfect example of this is the two houses, right? So if you right. go into a Messianic synagogue, that re represents replacement theology, yeah. it represents all kinds of different things, right? Uh, that are mostly negative. They have this association. Absolutely. You say two houses, and then they already have a, an emotional and a visceral response right. to it. Versus you come to a place like Beit Tehillah, it's like, well, we don't believe any of the things that you associate with two houses, right? We right. don't believe in British Israelism necessarily. We don't believe in any of that. We're looking at this as the nations, right? People from the nations are, are coming out of the nations and are joining themselves with the Jewish people and together reforming this whole house of Israel. So you have non-Jews and Jews, right? Right. And, and we're assuming most of these non-Jews are Christians, you know? Um, in America, they appear to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but oddly enough, there is a, uh, I talked to a journalist, um, this is going to be a couple of years ago, who was doing research for a paper, maybe even he was a PhD candidate, and was doing research on the Hebrew roots movement within Islam. Now, I had never, I, I still don't know any more information than wow. when I had that conversation with him that day. Never heard that. Right. But you could see it, right? Because within Christianity, we have, say, you know, once you pass Constantine, there's a lot of people, especially if you're in the Catholic Church, where like kind of yeah. history starts at Constantine. Right. In, in that middle period, especially the early, early history within, like, say, the first and second century, there's a ton of writings that, you know, we could go to, but there's a lot of it from, again, from Gentile believers and not necessarily from the, the Jewish group. Right, right. For, for whatever true. reason. So, so getting back to the, you know, the crux of it anyways, it, to find what are our real definitions. And when I say something and when somebody else says something, we, 
it's kind of like this feeling within the Hebrew roots. We're like, well, let's make sure, at least in my camp, my brain, let's make sure that what you're saying when you say that word and when I say that word that we mean the same thing. And I think that's... Yeah, we, you know, there, there's always been that issue. Um, so instead of dealing with the religious terms, mm-hmm. um, I went to the things that we hear every day on the news. Mm, okay. Like um, trying to explain terms like Palestine and Palestinians. People take for granted, they hear something about some people called Palestinians, so they assume there was a country called Palestine uh, that Israel obviously must have conquered and are occupying. That's the basic narrative, by the way, that's understood on American college campuses among history majors. Um, But it's other things, it's two-state solution. People hear about that, and to the American, to the Western mindset, that makes sense. Well, you've got two people quarreling over uh, uh, an area of land, give them each a country. Like, where? But that doesn't really matter. Um, Then you're dealing with boycott, divestment, and sanctions. You're dealing with end the occupation. You're dealing with the very term Zionism. Yeah. You know, does Israel have a right to exist? These are issues that come up every single day, particularly here in the American media. Every day. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, okay, so so then Palestine. Uh, you know, again, this is one of those words where when used in different contexts, means sure. different things to different people. Right. And so, like, if I'm talking, or I'm listening, sorry, not talking, because I don't talk at archaeological events, uh, but if I'm listening to archaeologists, you know, speak they'll refer to this region as Palestine. Uh, and depending on the time period, they even may call it Canaan. Uh, or they may, but then they, I never really hear them call it Israel. A lot of times I think they'll, I'll hear them call it like second temple period, you know, or things like that. They'll have... Which, which, which again, there's a, a nuanced underlying message This is there. America. There is no nuance. We don't, we don't do that here. Well, you know, it's funny. Like someone said to me the other day, because this is basically about the idea that words have two meanings or different meanings or changed meanings. Uh, I always give the quick little joke of, you know, growing up listening to the Flintstones. The theme song resonates differently now. The words used mean different things in a different context. Um, So you've got a situation where, if you refer to the second temple period or the second temple, Boys and girls, that's Judea. Yeah, of course. That's Judea occupied by the Roman army. Okay? The term Palestine was only first used by the Emperor Hadrian after the Bar Kokhba rebellion, and that's the year 135. That's 65 years after the temple is destroyed. And it never referred to a country, always a region. That included Syria, Lebanon, what today is Jordan. And so when he destroyed, when they de- when he destroyed Jerusalem, yes. you say in what, 135? 135. And yeah, between 132 and 135. And so this is when they renamed it. Renamed Jerusalem, Aelia Capitolina. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. interestingly enough, that name did not stick. Palestina did. But it refer- again, it referred to the region, like here in Florida, you all have the Everglades. Yeah, I got it. The, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It's, it's, and that's the hardest thing when people say, yeah, but they, they refer to, and, and the, it's, the and Everglades, it's, like if you're not in, there is no city, the Everglades, there is no county, the Everglades, the Everglades refers to the large area of swampland, uh, yeah. south of central Florida, but kind of north of say Miami and, and Naples, um, where there's Lake Okeechobee and all the surrounding swamp. So in, there's, there's right. no, no, no municipality over, I in, mean, the, in the same way of Appalachia or Appalachia. Which is just mountains along the east coast of America. Yeah, and goes through a few states. It's several states, yeah. Yeah. Um, in a few weeks, I'll be in North Carolina, and I'll see the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yeah. Okay, now... There is a place Blue called Ridge, Blue Ridge, Georgia. Yeah. But it's in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, but like, here it is in North Carolina. Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so for people, it's confusing. But it's important to understand there never was an independent nation in any part of that geographic area called Palestine. And w- during the British mandate, when the British army occupied Israel between 1917 and 1948, and they referred to that area as Palestine. Mm-hmm. They were given that mandate to build a Jewish national home by the League of Nations. In 
Palestine, Palestine right. which included what today is Jordan. Right. Okay, so you've got Israel of today and Jordan. So and wait, Jordan is Pal- so Jordanians are Palestinians? Yeah. Oh, okay, good That's enough. the irony. Yeah. <laughs> that is the irony. And the more you know. Recently I was in Ohio. I met a lovely couple mm-hmm. oh, uh, yeah. who were also Palestinians. Yeah. Yeah, they're from East Palestine. Yeah. And I know there's a Palestine, Texas. I think they Although call it they Palestine, call it Palestine, right? Yeah, Palestine. Palestine. <laughs> and you know, in the Republic of Texas, whatever Don't they want to call it, they, you know, hey, it is what it is, that's, bro. That's right. That gun on your hip, it looks like it's Palestine to me. Yeah. <laughs> Show enough. Show enough. So then what did people call themselves? Because I think part of this is also, you said Palestine okay. as okay. a region. So then if they're not Palestinians... This is, this is even more fascinating. Because maybe there's so, some people that call themselves Appalachians or Evergladians. Pro- I don't know. I probably don't know. not. I don't know. Maybe like an know. ancient the tribe swamp creatures, you know, <laughs> Bigfoot. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know this stuff. Okay. During the time of the British Mandate, when the British referred to, let's say, an uprising or, or, or taxing Palestinians, they were referring to the Jewish residents. Uh. The Arabs were always the Arabs. The term Palestinian came in vogue after 1964. Yasser Arafat, the terrorist, created something called the Palestine Liberation Organization. Post-1967, again, here we have to go I mean, back pre, a second. Pre-1967. Pre-1967, 1948 to 1967, Jordan controlled all of Judea, Samaria, and, and the old city of Jerusalem. Okay. Now, that's what... America, European Union, United Nations refers to mistakenly as the West Bank. So Jordan is controlling this for 19 years. Egypt is controlling Gaza for the same 19 years, 1948 to 1967. No one ever spoke about creating something called a Palestinian state for something called a Palestinian people. Okay, so let me let me get some understanding. Then. So then, sure. let's say because Jordan is part of this Palestine, the British A- mandate, meaning pal- the yes. region, yes. the region that were yes, it was absolutely. called Palestine. So, and and Jordan as a as a geographical region was was mostly Arab, all Arab. Okay, and so they called themselves Arabs. Arabs, okay. yeah. But after this British mandate, they cut lines, and now. We have a, 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 comp, uh, a group, right, that has cut lines. Because I know that in the past, like, it's a very Western idea to cut a borderline. Yeah. Right? The tribal peoples right. don't, don't necessarily do yeah. that. Um, that border in the creation of Jordan is 1922. So after 1922, right. th- this group of people, do they call themselves Jordanian? Jordanians. That's the thing. So now they start calling themselves That's that. That's right. Because that, that area... Is now called Jordan. Actually, it was called Transjordan initially. Right. It's now Jordan, and they are Jordanians. And this was just to separate themselves from the other Arabs, because you have Saud, right? The House of Saud, and you have the um, what is the name? The guy uh, Abdullah. Uh, yeah, what's his and, last and, name? And then, well, then you had Hussein, his son, and now you also have King. But it's Abdullah. a dynasty. What's yeah, it called? I, I don't remember the name. Um, Anyways, there's a king, a, a dynasty there as well, a house, a, a family name. Yeah, I don't remember the For Arabic. the monarchs yeah. there. And so it was just to separate the two of them. Like, they're it not going to get along. It, so. was, it was to get, yeah. The British, it was British appeasement. Right. They provided aid, ironically, to a very minimal level during the First World War, the whole Lawrence of Arabia thing. Right, right. So to reward them, they created, so literally, it was the British government that carved out this area sure. and made it what it is today. So it's only 100 years ago. Yeah, so, yeah 1922. So, so in 1922, was there a big uprising or a problem? Like, did the other Arab nations have a problem with the creation of Jordan? No. Had nothing to do with them. So, so... Nothing. No I mean, one. No one. Objected. Maybe some internal squabbles. Like I don't want him to be the king, but you know, it, it was what it was, right? They just yeah. accepted it. No big yeah. wars. No. Nothing. Not 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 even a little war. Okay. All right. So then, uh, this Trans Jordan area included what we would consider more, even more so than the West Bank today, right? Oh yeah, that's the it combined with Israel. So, so did Israel, was Israel part of this Transjordan at first, the no, whole nation? N- no, never. Just that part that we know In 1922, when, when Britain severed, they severed two-thirds of the so-called Palestine Mandate. Two-thirds of it went to Jordan. But everything Israel. east of the Jordan River was Jordan, and nothing west of Correct. the Jordan River. Nothing. Okay, nothing. 
Nothing. This is good to know. Okay, I'm just not, trying to keep it all straight in my head. Not a thing. All right. Okay, this is good because this uh, now I'm starting to get it. So then the people west of the Jordan, right, the east bank of Palestine at this point, because now there's Jordan and Palestine is just basically the current state of Israel. Uh, so the people group here that were still Arabs, did they call, they called themselves Arabs. Arabs. And they did not take on this Jordanian identity. No, no, no. And, and not only did they not take on a Jordanian identity, in the 19 years between 1948 and 1967, when Jordan controlled Judea, Samaria, the so-called West Bank, they did not allow these people to become Jordanian citizens. So if they even wanted to come across the border, they, they Jordan didn't let them. didn't, no. They they're kind of frozen in place. Do we have a reason for that? Or like why not allow some immigration to okay. stimulate the economy? The, the, the Was Jordan fooled already? The best assessment, not full already, but since so many of these Jordanians were related by clan mm. to other Arabs living in Judea and Samaria, what they were calling the West Bank, the faction within Jordan that supports the king, they're Bedouin. So if you've got Arabs from a different part of their world. Yeah, another clan, yeah. yeah. Another tribe. It's just tribal. They didn't want them. Got it. Okay, so, and this is a, a bit of a side bunny trail, but it, within Islam, there's obviously lots of different people groups that have taken on the, right. the religion of Islam. Right. The Persians, obviously it's mostly Sunni, um, or Shi Shia, sorry. Yeah. Um, Saudi Arabia is going to be mostly uh, Sunni. Yeah, the opposite. Right. Yeah. And then you have like the Turks, which are the Turkish people, which had the Ottoman Empire, which we're not even, which that's a whole other side. No, we're not going to get into that. Uh, that's... <laughs> Because that's, anyways. That's for next trip. That's for next trip. Um, the these different people groups had all taken on Islam as a religion, as an ideology. Right. But my understanding is within Islam, there's almost like a supremacy to being Arab within Islam. Like I'm I'm Arab. I'm part of the the same clan or group of of Muhammad, and so and and not that the Turks. I say that Turkish people, I hope I'm not using some slur that would offend anybody because I'm not meaning to. I say Turkish people uh, or the Persians, right, the Iranians, right. that none of these groups uh, necessarily recognize that the Arabs were a supreme class. Okay. But the Arabs, I believe, certainly thought that they were and still to this day that's, have that's a thing. The, that's the case. Okay. They believe themselves to be. Right. Whereas Indonesia is the world's most populous Muslim country. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And again, you know, it's like, you know, uh, with Iran, yeah, the Iranians are Persians. They're not Arabs. Right, right. The Turks are yeah. not Arabs. Yeah. But they are Muslims. Okay. So, and so th to, to this end, people that are Arab, l they take pride in being Arab, I guess is my, my thought process. I have process. no idea. So this is, this is just what I've heard. I, I've heard it because I have some, some Turkish friends, and they're the ones that kind of mention this, you know, how the Arabs think that they're whatever, better, because they're Arab. Um, and so with that said, and again, this can be taken with a grain of salt. If you have some comments for me on this topic or something, a link that you want to educate me on, please do. I'm just going by what I've heard. Um, if you're an Arab, you want to be an Arab, not necessarily a Palestinian per se, right? Well, again... Because the Palestinians are the Jews. This is, this is, this is something... That's so bizarre that in my lifetime, this has become a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's amazing. It's am and then the whole world has jumped on this and demanding the creation of something called a Palestinian state, which has never in history existed. Well, and, 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 and to your point about the Jewish people being the ones that were called Palestinian. By the when, British. By yeah. the British, yeah. right. When the mandate... Uh, came about in 1948 from the UN, right? So when the, when the resolution passed right. for the creation of a Jewish state in the land of Israel, okay. or in the land of Palestine. Go ahead, go okay. ahead, please. So, yeah. no, no, this is, the, this is what's really cool. They voted to partition the land. The partition plan, the famous partition into plan. Into a Jewish state and then Arab, Arab state. state. So which land? The land of Palestine. This is what the British, yeah, right. what the British had been calling. So 
So truly, the all Arab the Israelis Sur are Palestinians as well, if you want to use the and same And when you definition. think about it, had we not, you know, Change used terms name. like Jews, yeah. I mean, really. You, How dare you? I mean, if we, <laughs> there, no, here's the thing that, you know, if, if the British hadn't adopted the Roman terminology and had kept Judea as the name of the land, we would have the Judean terrorists fighting against the Jews. Wouldn't that be strange? That would be extremely strange. Yeah. But they came up with this term Palestinian, which is... Divine you know, providence, I guess. It's, it's, like, it's like sitting and discussing the borders of Gondor and Rohan. You know, it's like someone will say, wait a second, that's from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is. It's funny that you say that. I had to explain that yeah. when you said that. I had to. Well, you know, it's funny. That's from Lord of the Rings. You know, it's it's like I'll make a reference to Star Trek. Yeah. And it's kind of like. You can tell. You can look yeah. around the room and be like. You know, or, you know, conversely, you'll be talking about, you know, the ironic blessing, mm. what we call Birchat Kohanim, the blessing of the, uh, the, the Kohanim, the priestly class. And, you know, you'll, you'll make the, you know, people say like, oh, Star Trek, Mr. Spock. And it's like, you know, yeah, that's, he got it yeah. from there. Oh, by the way, he's Jewish. But, yeah. <laughs> Don't hold that against him. Yeah, imagine that. Wait, he's Jewish. Yeah. Dr. Spock is Jewish. Everything yeah. I've ever known is a No, lot. no, Dr. Spock. There's Dr. Spock with the babies <laughs> and there's Mr. Spock on the Enterprise. Uh, USSS Enterprise. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so what, I tr what I've been trying to do in this particular talk or teaching is explain some of this kind of, you know, peel back the artichoke a bit. Um, and it's challenging because you've got to go into a lot of facts. Right. You've got to go into a lot of history. You start showing maps and, you know, people are on a little bit of overload. But, you know, we keep trying. Well, I mean, I don't know if it helps, but things that have helped me and my brain wrap my head around it, just from what we've been discussing here, is understanding the Jordanian partition that yeah. happened in 1922 and how there was no issue with that. Nobody had a problem with it. No one. Because it was England's decision. And that was amazing. The, the League of Nations gave the mandate to England to create a Jewish national home. Right. England decided in 1922, we need to reward Abdullah. Yeah. Let's cut away two thirds of it. And no one said, a and no one, certainly no one existed that said, well, what about us poor Palestinians? Yeah. Nada, Nada. zip, zero. Yeah. So, so that helps me you know, understand, because now it's a modern title for an ancient people group, Jordanian, just like this term Palestine. Because I think this is, this is part of where people are confused is they say, no, Pal Jesus was a Palestinian, you know, which... Yeah, I mean, really. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Like, yeah. bad things to say. All right. So then across the river, <laughs> uh, Israel becomes a nation because of a UN partition plan resolution. Well, what, what happened was England... There were massive Arab riots and terrorism. Right. In between that time. Yeah. Because they knew it was coming. In particular, they 1936. Knew it was coming. Yeah. They, you know, and so in that period, something happened which had tremendous implications, tragi tragically. England forbid further Jewish immigration mm. or restricted it to something like 75,000 over, over a number of years. It was really bad. Yeah, during and the Holocaust. Before, yeah. in the 30s, yep. and throughout the entire Holocaust. Right. Jews couldn't get into Israel. So we so have this mandate to create a Jewish state, but we're not going to allow Jews the to The ink wasn't dry on that paper. Yeah, yeah. His Majesty, the Balfour Declaration, His Majesty's government looks with favor upon the creation of a Jewish national home in Palestine, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's like putting an LOI on a property, but not And buying then it's it kind of like they're looking at it, the ink is drying, and they're like, nah, we're not doing this. Yeah. So it was a real, real problem. These Arabs are going to be hot mad. <laughs> yeah. So England suffered tremendously during the Second World War. They were exhausted financially, economically, and they wanted out of the mandate. So they were leaving. So it's thrown in the lap of the United Nations. 
They have all these things, and they create this bizarre partition plan oh, yeah, to create a Jewish state and an Arab state, and it wouldn't please anybody. The Jews accepted reluctantly. The Arabs rejected it. Right. But again, no one was calling it a Palestinian state. Yeah. Well, and, and, and so they reluctantly accept it because, well, what choice do they have is the way they see it. So yeah. when, when you are, true. are alone and this is all you're getting and they're giving you scraps and it's like, well, I have nothing right now, you know, as we see it's it. exactly the way it was viewed. So we're going to take this right. versus the Arabs who saw themselves in a position of power because they're surrounded by 21 other Arab states that have their back, so to speak. Yeah. Right. And so I think this is why they felt like they were in a position to reject it. And then so starts the coining of the term or the phrase, Palestinians never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Well, the... the <laughs> and actually, the, the, Arabs, I should say, yeah, Arabs that happen to live in Palestine never miss an opportunity yeah, to miss an or, opportunity. You know, or who self-identify. <laughs> They're trans-Palestinians. <laughs> we're coining new terms here and breaking That's new right. grounds. Listen, I could, if, if, if you could just figure out a way to be an oppressed class by the UN, you know what I mean? I'm sure we could figure well, something out. The, these individuals... Here there's billions of dollars in it. These individuals have their own UN agency that has been treating them as refugees. Now understand something. The Arab countries around Israel that invaded Israel, seven Arab armies invade Israel. 1948. They're not interested in partition. They're not interested in compromise. They want every Jew dead. Okay. So they go to war and they tell many of the local Arabs, leave your homes temporarily. We're going to go take care of the Jews. We're going to wipe them out. And then you'll come back and you'll share in the spoils. So many left. But Israel won. They weren't, the Jews they weren't counting on that, were they? They were not counting on that. So what's interesting is... so. And, if, and if, in reality, I think that there's some bleeding heart folks that hear stories like this. And there are innocent people that are Arab that were living in the land, right? And that were displaced because of, of the conflict. Right. Um, this, is, this is a fact of, of, of life. And what happens, I think, is people conflate ideas together where that something bad happened to somebody and because somebody came out the victor by defending themselves that now this was the evil group. Well, the thing that's fascinating is shortly after the state of Israel is declared into the very early 1950s, throughout the Arab world around Israel, Algeria, Morocco, that had ancient Jewish communities, Libya, they had pogroms, they slaughtered the Jews, Iraq. So we absorbed close to a million and a half Jewish refugees. Yeah, actual refugees. Actual refugees yeah. whose property was seized. Now, again, let's take a look back at these Arabs who left of their own volition. If they then went on to France or the United States and became successful business people, and in many cases they did. Sure. I know some here in Tampa. They are still listed on the UN rolls. Oh, as refugees. As refugees. And no one since 1948 has ever been taken off the refugee list. So in other words, it, and it's a, it's a, it must be a miracle. No one has died that ever went on that list. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, is that there's actually people that are added that are second and third generation. That's right. So what's odd is, and, and I will say, and just from experience going to the land and looking at you know arab cities that there's all this empty housing all surrounding like apartment buildings the quote-unquote u.n refugee camp and it's like the u.n refugee camp is a hotbed for terrorism and poverty and it look if you're an 18 to 29 year old male with no education and you've just been fed a bunch of you know uh propaganda your entire life yeah. your entire life yeah. then you really have no hope I mean, this is going to be your life you know what i mean and so to me that's more of a crime what the u.n is doing to these people yeah in perpetuating this ideology totally agree i believe that they're the ones that are committing quote-unquote genocide or whatever you want to call it right you know what i mean the apartheid versus the the jewish people who see because if you've been there and you've you've seen this i, I don't know i just i have i struggle with the reality that comes out of the news because there's the conspiracy theories we were talking before we started recording about conspiracy theories and uh or just as a category not necessarily specific ones and and it's frustrating because 
when you see what's actually going on with your own eyes or from video footage from a friend of yours, a personal friend, yeah. right? And then you see what comes out of the news media and you're like, they know what I know. They saw the same thing I saw, yet this is how they chose to yeah. perpetuate it. it, it this Absolutely. bad definition, what's in a name? Yeah. Well, the bad definitions come from a, a how do you interpret that as anything but nefarious? Okay, you had, and the, malicious. You had the situation of CNN reporting on the murder of Lucy D and her two daughters. Oh my gosh, yes. And may Hashem avenge their blood. Yeah. May Hashem and our security forces avenge their blood. But CNN reported it as they were killed in a shootout. A shootout implies that you've got two people groups that are shooting each other. Yeah. Not three women driving in a car you know, massacred in a drive-by shooting. Yeah, just you recently had by, the yeah. BBC challenge Naftali Bennett, our former prime minister, saying the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, enjoys the killing of Palestinian children. Now, the thing is, Israel is routinely accused of genocide. But I challenge people to say, where are the bodies? Yeah, amen. Where are the funerals? You cannot say Israel killed countless children in Janine and not produce a single body. And I'll tell you something, it also depends how you define children. If a 17-year-old with a Kalashnikov yeah. is firing at Israeli soldiers and is killed, I'm sorry, that's not a helpless child. Of course. Anyway. Yeah, it's a tragedy. And, and again, when, you know, I think maybe it's the classical Western liberal values that it sounds like both of us are sharing in. Um, that personal responsibility belongs somewhere. And when we try to place it on a party that is the reactive party, yeah. it, it seems a bit disingenuous. Yeah. Because how do you place that blame? So it, what's in a name? I want to I okay. stay a little bit on track. Okay. Um, because I think quickly what happens you know, is when you know the realities of what's going on, you can quickly go down the rabbit hole of like, the listing out the horrible yeah. things that are going on, right? And so yeah. for, for the sake of our viewers trying to understand yeah. what's going on. And if people want to hear it yeah. and they, they miss me during this trip, yeah. they can tune into the Beit Tehila, you know, YouTube channel. That's right. And see it. That's right. They can. Which of sure, I mean, they should be watching regularly anyway. One, one would think, you know, it's funny, uh, the domestic audience for Christians with Torah, our podcast, uh, is very small. I say very small. It's not very small, but most of it, I think, is like overseas. It's just a random country. I say random. I know you guys are not random, and I appreciate your viewership, but what I mean is compared to what, like there is a, a probably half of United States, but then it's like a lot of all over the place, and I don't know. Yeah. I, I have no rhyme or reason as to how they find it or, or whatever it is. Fascinating. Or, it is fascinating. So, okay, we've got to 1948. We understand there's a partition plan. You mentioned right. seven Arab armies yeah. surrounding the region of Palestine uh, come in and attack this fledgling land of Israel that is only right. a day old. And by some great miracle, Israel is able to uh, fight them off and uh, has victory over them and pushes them back to what we consider the armistice lines, which are the lines that even today we're looking at as the quote unquote green line right. for the West Bank and then right. also the lines for Gaza. Right. All right. So that's a map I think that most people are familiar with because even to this day, for some reason, yeah. we still draw that line. Although Gaza in 2005, 18 years ago, Israel unilaterally withdrew. Right. So Gaza isn't part of this equation. Gaza, which was controlled by the so-called Palestinian Authority, they immediately had a civil war with Hamas. Hamas defeated them. And there's no Palestinian Authority control in Gaza. Right. Which Hamas is a terrorist organization. Well, so is the Palestinian Authority. And so is the Palestinian Authority. Um, okay, so, so we have the State of Israel and we have the armistice lines. And I know there's probably some, some minor squabbles that go in between here, but the big event next is what, 1967? Well, there was the war in 1956, but yeah, let's That's go to 1967. That's what I mean, yeah. 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 Uh, meaning as far yeah. as naming groups. Right. Egypt and Syria uh, are armed to the teeth with the latest Soviet weapons. Oh, Russia, good. Well, what today, yeah, what today is Russia. Yeah. Uh, then it was still the Soviet Union. Sure.
They block off our shipping through the streets of Tehran. That's Israel's access to where we got our oil from. Which, which just so everybody understands, yeah. blocking off shipping uh, is classified internationally as an act of war. Yeah. So just... Yeah, it's it, if you can't get the resources necessary to run your country and somebody's blocking it, it's it's considered an act of war. Now, since the 1956 war, there are U.N. observers in Sinai. Nasser, the leader of Egypt, orders them out. So they leave. So the U.N. observers that are supposed to create a buffer between Egypt and Israel are gone. Egypt is blocking our shipping, and Egypt and Syria, armed to the teeth, are announcing how they're going to drive the Jews into the sea. Mm. That's the situation in May of 1967. And they're, and they're on the border, right? Right. They, 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 they've moved the tanks and troops right, right up to the border. Mobilized, high, mobilized, high, yeah. High alert. Now, in 1956, the ending of the Suez, Suez Crisis... The American president at the time, Dwight David Eisenhower, (laughs) made a promise to Israel that if Israeli shipping was ever blockaded again, America would lead the international flotilla of ships Mm -hmm. to open up the blockade. Got it. This is only 11 years later. Israel goes to America. America says, Mm -hmm. forget about it. Yeah. Who's president at that point? Um, 67 is uh, Lyndon Johnson. Oh, good. Mr. Vietnam. Gotta love that guy. Well, this is, yeah. America's a little little busy, a little distracted. No doubt. You know, uh, bringing democracy to Southeast Asia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Sorry about that's that. another talk. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, it seemed that Israel would, God forbid, be destroyed. In public parks in Tel Aviv and Haifa, they began digging mass graves for what was expected to be tens of thousands of casualties. It's crazy. America had had Israel under an arms embargo between 1948 and 1967. Actually, it wasn't until 1968 that the Johnson administration allowed Israel to buy weapons from the U.S. for the first time. So Israel has these junky French Mirage and Mystere fighters and elderly British Centurion tanks. Thank you, Britain, or UK, and thank you, France. Gosh. Egypt and Syria, they have the latest Soviet weapons. Israel strikes first, preemptively destroys the Syrian and Egyptian air forces on the ground. The Six-Day War starts almost exactly 56 years ago, June 1967. Jordan, Israel is begging Jordan not to enter the war. Jordan begins shelling in Jerusalem. And that's when Jordan loses Judea and Samaria and the old city of Jerusalem. Now, just for our listeners, the old, we we talk, I use the term, the old city of Jerusalem. Right. Old city of Jerusalem. And it's got, you know, Jewish quarter, Christian quarter, Muslim quarter, Armenian quarter. And by the way, those terms are not ancient. They came in 1852 when the British were mapping our country. Oh. So that's, you know, okay. The British in their lines. (laughs) Man, those Brits, they're behind everything. Okay. Here's the thing that's so funny. The old city is one square kilometer. It's teeny, 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 tiny. You could lose it. In three blocks on Lithia Pinecrest. Oh, yeah. Traffic or no traffic. So it's really, we're talking about a very, very tiny area. So the irony is the world whips us for remaining in Judea and Samaria, the biblical heartland of Israel. Now, understand something. Exclusive of Jerusalem, 90 plus percent of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, occurs in Judea and Samaria. Mm. So really, that's Israel. That's Israel. Yeah. I mean, we if we don't have a right to that... Then you don't have a right to... We have to no it. right to Tel Aviv on the coast. For sure not. I got you. Meaning from a biblical standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Judea and Samaria are now back in Israeli control. And we were living there 
until the, our communities were destroyed in the War of Independence, 1948. We weren't strong enough to hold it. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. 1967, Six-Day War. My understanding from international law is that if a country invades another country, right? right? And, uh, I mean, the most modern example we have of this is, is Russia invading Ukraine, right? Correct. And uh, for all intents and purposes, what Russia has done is illegal on an international law standpoint. But yet... Yeah. Pretty much everyone thinks that they're going to be giving up the Dunbar region to Russia to allow them to annex it, right? So let's just... Let's I've heard the same things. Right, okay. So let's just keep that in mind. Now, the opposite is, is, is actually the way international law is supposed to work. So in this example, uh, maybe Ukraine would have pushed back Russia and then taken the borderlands, which is funny because Ukraine means borderland in some Slavic nation or some Slavic language, take the borderlands of Russia in order to have a defensible position. A buffer. Right. Uh, this land, international law would be part of Ukraine. No, no, no questions asked. Right. That's how it works. You yeah. attacked us. Yeah. We pushed you back. Now this land is ours. Yeah. This land is my land. Okay. So the same thing is essentially what happens in uh, the land of Israel. Jordan attacks. So Israel pushes them back. And if you know anything about the geography and the way the mountains go, this is a defense position. Let's just hear my words. There will not be a state of Palestine in that region as long as a military-minded leader is the head of Israel, period. If they care about the defense of Israel in any way, shape, or form— It's beyond insane it, to it, consider. It, it yeah. doesn't make any sense that no. a sovereign nation would give up a defense point like that with the history of their Arab neighbors attacking them on a regular basis whenever they feel like it's convenient for them, right? It's Excuse not an—like, today I feel like they're doing things because they're uh, either politically or economically expedient, right? I love the Abraham Accords. I think these are uh, great things for the business people in both, you know, all, all, in all the nations that are involved. Which, by the way, and none of them are our bordering states. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay? None of them are. But there's trade with Jordan. There's trade with Egypt, yeah, right? Yeah, but in other words, this big economic boom, yeah. like people say, you shouldn't make a covenant. No, 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 no. In the Torah, it's very clear. It's talking about the people in the land. Right. And these people are outside the land. Way, yeah, way outside of our borders. And But the, even the border lands, there's, there's economic treaties uh, in, with the state of Israel and these nations. Now, they're old, and they're probably like maybe a bit outdated, but that's, again, beside the point. Um, Israel pushes back Jordan to Jordan. Right. And then this land that they're calling the occupied West Bank is now essentially belongs to Israel. Why? Well, because they gave it up with their actions, right? There's consequences when people have bad behavior. And, and the, the irony is Jordan never annexed that land. It was never part right. of Jordan. It was never part of it. Exactly. So then we have this, oh, let's call it international area, right? Yeah. That now Israel has taken over. Correct. So what are the mistakes that Israel made after the Six-Day War? First of all, not immediately incorporating it as part of the state of Israel. So they should have annexed it. Absolutely. Treated it like it was part Fait of Israel. Fait Okay. Done deal. And so reasons why they didn't. When I mentioned before about Israel pleading with King Hussein of Jordan not to enter the war. Yeah. Israel didn't have plans to reunite all of Jerusalem, let alone Judea and Samaria. You know, a friend of mine who was a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army said how in the Pentagon, there are people whose jobs are to plan to go to war with friendly foreign nations. You know, just have a contingency plan. Like a number of years ago, was it during the Reagan administration? U.S. invaded Panama. It's like somebody had worked on an invasion plan. They went down deep in the drawer, pulled it out. Okay, let's update it, but we've got a plan. So it's <laughs> crazy. I mean, it, it really, really is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Israel didn't... We have the Panama Canal, though. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, that's, that was the... <laughs> oh, it's just a coincidence. <laughs> Shipping, money, no, not a big deal at all. Yeah. So what, what's really interesting is that the Israeli troops who were a reserve paratrooper unit that was supposed to be sent to Sinai are now sent into Jerusalem. We didn't have street maps to provide them with. We were totally unprepared yeah. 
because people say, well, why didn't Israel begin rebuilding the temple? Why didn't Israel clear off the temple mount? We were taken by surprise. Yeah, you're going to like this. So, so I know why. I like all of this. I know why. You ready? So God creates Adam, and he gives the first command. Be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. And so this is a principle of life. Before you can do, you have to first be. Right. right? And before you can have, you first have to do. So in order for the people of Israel to do the things that these people have listed, they would first have to be the people that would do the thing. And they were just, and so when people say they just weren't ready, I don't think the world was ready, right? Or else Mashiach would be here, right? I mean, we, we'd be interviewing him, you know, be like, hey, you know, come with me. We're going to interview this guy. You know, he's yeah, I certainly would not be sitting in this seat. <laughs> no doubt about it. That's, that's an excellent point. It actually ties in with throughout the Parshiot, the Torah portions, you see all these different tribal allotments. It's kind of like a shifting series of borders. Y'all are going to go there. Yeah, yeah, Yous right. are going to go here. This is right. You know, see, I incorporated both sides of my personality. Yeah, I like this. The yous and the y'all. Ah. Okay. So you're just question is, Question is, <laughs> why did it change? Mm -hmm. And it had to do with the children of Israel being prepared to go to war and conquer those areas. Right. And fully absorb them into the future state of Israel slash Judea. You know, yeah, yeah. So, prior to the 1967 Six Day War, yeah, where Israel uh, pushes back their enemies and takes the defensive positions of the land that really should have been theirs the whole time, literally the biblical Agreed. heartland of Israel. Okay, Jerusalem, their eternal capital. Th those are all ideological biblical statements, right? Right. But the 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 ingenuous ingen ingenuous in yeah, ingenuous. Uh, you don't want to ask me about <laughs> pronunciation in English. Ingenuine. There you go. Ingenuine argument, right? The the fake argument that the, the bad mo argument, right? The modern state of Israel does not have a right to Judea and Samaria, the quote unquote West Bank, is in its on itself a modern lie. And the people, most of the, there's useful idiots out there that don't know this information, but the people that send the message downstream, we were talking about marketing yeah. and about politics and how one of the reasons that we have issues today is because in order to get a message out, you have to oversimplify it yeah. in order to send it out and get people to catch on to it. true. And when you do that with, with issues or topics that are nuanced and complicated, the oversimplified message does a disservice to solving the actual problem. So, and doesn't usually address the actual problem. So we're looking at this, this area, and they, these people are sending out a message that, oh, Israel did this evil thing, and Israel's like, what? It, and of course, what are you talking about? Like, you attacked us. So from a modern just geopolitics, UN, international yeah. law, whatever that means, standpoint, Israel has 100% right to Judea and Samaria. Absolutely no true. No questions asked. And that to me is like, when you know that information, everything else becomes like, now. It all falls into line. Now, here's the issue. That's not to say that there aren't some nuances to this, right? So with, with the, the quote-unquote West Bank, there's, a peop there's people living there who have been rejected by the Arab neighbors, their Arab family, and are truthfully, you know, not really wanted by a... Jewish group that would then become either a mixed or, or at worst, a minority in their own country by incorporating this people group into them. And there goes okay. maybe the, the status quo of what we have today and part of the reason I think that they didn't okay. incorporate it. Well, you know, what's interesting is the Jewish birth rate in Israel is the highest birth rate of any developed country in the world. So we are growing by leaps and bounds. If you look at the, uh, the numbers and the demographic trends, Israel doesn't have to be worried that Arabs who live in Judea and Samaria will, you know, sort of outgrow us. It leads, though, into a larger issue of whether they should have been allowed to live there post-1967. At all. At right. all. Should have gone to, you know what, Jordan? You got yourself into this mess. Here's yeah. your people. Yeah. These are your peeps. Yeah. You know, you, you, 
you kept them in the status. You, right. did, you didn't allow them to be Jordanians. Well, you know, yeah, now you can. Here's you made your bed. But we Go didn't, lie. you know, and in the fog of war, right? Had we loaded up all those Egged buses and taken them to the Allenby Bridge, you know, would have been a fade to complain. Well, and we can't do that now. And we have a a large swath of the political establishment in Israel at the time is is largely secular, like completely. Well. Like it, it was the labor government at the time, but you know, it, which when it, he says labor, he means socialist. Yeah, socialist. <laughs> like these Sorry. people came from Russia. They came from this is, this Poland. Is, this is yeah. This is yeah. We could we could. <laughs> wow, that's. Right, again, I'm glad we've got five and a half more hours of this podcast. Man, wow, we're already at you yeah. know. Look at that. All right, let's keep moving. No, we're good. I I will say this. Uh, before 1967, war happens. Yes. Yasser Arafat comes on the scene as a uh, up-and-coming political leader in the Arab community within, you know, the borders right. of Transjordan West right. Bank area. Or, Although he's born in Egypt. But he's an Egyptian, of course, yeah. but he's, he's a, a rising star yeah. in, in this area, right? Yeah. So, so he creates this Palestinian liberation organization, um, because and, and largely he may be taking up some cues from American politics with civil rights, right? The way that America does some of this, I would well, call it, was, it. It was more of a of a of a Cuban revolutionary. Okay, okay, influence. good. Yeah. All right. Meaning taking over the pond cues from the squabbles because you can make money being a race baiter, being a a a cause sure. um, pusher. I don't I don't know how to use a. Well, now they say influencer. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So, so the so he comes on the scene and he creates this Palestinian liberation organization, but they're right. trying to liberate Palestine. And as we started this conversation, and as you have eloquently put, Palestine is a region that includes Jordan, but it also includes the entirety of the current state of Israel. Yeah, that's the classic. What's said now is quote from the river to the sea. So the only ones that are talking about a two-state solution are left-wing Israelis, yeah. American government, yeah. United Nations, and the European Union. That's it, yeah. The Arabs are not saying we are willing to compromise. And that's why when Ehud Barak, a former prime minister, and Ehud Olmert, when they offered over 90% of Judea and Samaria and the old city of Jerusalem... Arafat, etc., would not ink the deal. Yeah, well, it was because of East Jerusalem that he couldn't get, right? Well, no, they, they, Israel was still willing, these, under, these, under these plans, they were willing to do it. Huh. It's it insane. Is, it is insane. So, so, in other words, because they couldn't have everything, they, my understanding is he stormed out of, I've, I've, I've read the memoir, or part of a memoir, yeah. Pastor Nick had showed it to me, and uh, I think it was Ehud Barak, where he'd offered Ninety percent, like you, just like you said, and that he stormed out because he couldn't have East Jerusalem. I think it was, but but it's always it's everything. Mm. But he had all of and, this other land, right? And, An actual and, state for him and his people to, yeah. to thrive. When, you, when and, you talk about a peace plan, we're thinking peace, P E A C E. Right. When the Arabs talk about it, they're talking about a pieces plan, P I E C E S. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They will take a piece at a time. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and literally, that's what's happened, right? I mean, Israel has oh, sure. given back land. They've given Gaza. They've given the Sinai given Peninsula. And, yep. and over and over, when they give things, they give land up, it shows that it doesn't... It just no, ends no, up no, being no. a terrorist... No, 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 no. There's, uh, there's no land for peace. That's what I mean. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. No, no. Clearly. All right. So, praise God. I think that our, our listeners should have an understanding of what's in a name at this point that... Um, I think everything clear as mud, guys. Yeah, yeah. Great. I think. The, yeah, exactly. The, the well, the clear part is that there's there's Jews and there's Arabs, yeah, living in a region that was called Palestine at one point, renamed by a Roman, you know, to name it after the historical enemies of Israel, the Philistines. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the ironies are just one after the other here. Right, and the eastern end of Israel is somehow called the West Bank. Right, our eastern hills yeah. become the West Bank. Yeah, because the Jordanians were on the eastern bank. And they were occupying this land, so they referred to it as the West Bank. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. It is. And, and then, obviously, you mentioned two-state solution. Um, you know, it, it's crazy. So, so Beit Tehila goes to Israel all the time. There's people here that come go to Israel. And I would encourage anybody that's listening to this, 
go to Israel, see these things for yourself. Um, <laughs> one of the things that you can take comfort in is the modern state of Israel is very secure. Um, Incredibly so. Uh, and I would say that even going through the quote unquote dangerous West Bank, uh, I've never, ever felt like this is a hairy situation. I shouldn't yeah. be here. You know, like I'm in danger. Right? I've never, and I've been, I've felt that here many times, you know, <laughs> like I'm in the wrong neighborhood. I need to get out of here. Um, but you get the idea. So yeah. um, we don't have time to talk about the judicial controversy, but I know that there's a lot of folks that want to want to know about the judicial controversy. Where would you suggest they go to get like a good, you know, summary of what's actually going on? Okay, I would go to one of the two main Israeli news sources in English, jpost.com. Okay. Or why that's the letter Y yep. netnews.com. Why netnews.com. Okay. Now they, they may not understand the background and the nuances, sure. but this will, you know, and there'll be opinion pieces that'll say Israel should go this way or Israel should go that way. And they'll explain why. Right. Right. Which is good because, and, and yeah, there's a lot of context there. So that's why, I mean, like we no, probably absolutely. just don't even have time for that. Absolutely. Um, but uh, also, I think the Israel guys, which is oh yes, has, yes, absolutely, has done a good job because you know, being as they're American <clears throat> in Israel, they speak the language literally and I think you know, figuratively that people will understand. No, that's a great suggestion. Yeah, um, and then uh, I know that we have a Beit Tehillah tour that's going to be coming up in 2024. Right around the time of Sukkot, I don't know the exact dates yet. Yeah, but typically what happens is. About halfway through Sukkot, Beit Tehillah arrives. So you've got part of Sukkot in Israel. Awesome. And then the time afterwards as well. Yeah, cool. All right. So then, and you'll be the tour guide for that. Yes. Yeah. Very I, excited. I don't know if you guys could tell, but he's very knowledgeable about the history. And what's even cooler is that he knows the places and the names. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And a, a lot of the people who come. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's wonderful. It is. Um, Family reunion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, last but not least, we have the season of Teshuvah coming up. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we, we do a decent amount here on the podcast of talking about Teshuvah yeah. and all that. Um, it's coming up. But f for you, it's coming up. Is there anything in your brain that you think that people should know sure. about Teshuvah as, as we're okay. approaching? It's generally translated in English as repentance, the yeah. season of repentance, whereas Teshuvah means either a turning or you can even expand that to be a returning yeah yeah yeah. so it's not like repent yeah yeah repent you sinner it's turn back to the path that you were on you were doing the right thing we kind of strayed a little bit you know get back get your focus you know one of the one of the brachot one of the blessings that my teacher, Rav Meir Kahana, may Hashem avenge his blood, uh, killed by an Al-Qaeda terrorist in New York City in 1990. Wow. By the way, <clears throat> that would be a, a podcast. In it. He used to give the blessing to his children. May you always know the difference between what's important and what's not. That, in this time, as we're about six and three quarter, you know, six and three quarter weeks, away from Rosh Hashanah, from Yom Truah, the start of the year, and then we've got the, you know, the 10 days leading up to Yom Kippur. This is the time to focus on what's most important and turn back to it, to return to it. Amen. I agree. That's awesome. All right. Well, that's all the time we have today. Well, I know. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I do. I do appreciate. It. This is good. This is. Uh, I enjoyed it tremendously. Uh, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Me too. So uh, keep the conversation going in the comments, guys. That's where you know all the action happens. Is for us also to get your feedback. If you need to email uh, me. It's at Ryan at twopraise.net. If they want to get a hold of you. Okay. Uh, best thing is my personal email address. Uh, well, two things. You can go to my website, kolyehuda.com. K O L yehuda.com there's a you know contact element there click on it and i will be notified 
that you're trying to contact me, I'll email you directly. Okay, awesome. And that's, listen, for, for tours, that's a good resource. For, yeah. for questions about the two houses from a Jewish perspective, that's a good one. For whatever historical questions, whatever sure. they want to talk about, they can contact you there. Um, and uh, all right, well, bless you. Thank I you, I feel Ryan. blessed to be you here. Too. Bless you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>